All right, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Human on the Daily. And today, you basically just get to chat with me, Dr. Megan Daly. Um, and it's going to be very unedited, unscripted. So I also work at a doctoral program. I teach in the musculoskeletal department at a physical therapy program. And that's where I'm at this week. And of course, I didn't bring any of my editing equipment. Uh, totally forgot that. And but I felt really called to share this episode with you on how to gain the clarity that you're looking for in life. So here we are. It's going to be a one shot thing and we're just going to roll with it. So you don't get the fun intro outro. I know you're so super bummed that you don't have to like hits forward for like a couple rounds to skip through that. And yeah, we're just going to dive on in. And so, yeah, I want to talk today about, how to find the clarity that you're looking for and what you're actually looking for instead. This is a constant pattern that I see with the clients that I have in all of my mindset work, all of my burnout work, literally everything I do, this is a thing that comes up and I've been there myself. I was searching and grasping for clarity for years. And when I say grasping, I mean, trying to get the next certification, do the next course, find the next mentor thinking that like this will be the thing that finally gets me happiness or the balance or the life that I want. Like I was grasping for like, let me do this thing. And then that will tell, get me the clarity that I'm wanting and the, the action plan that I'm wanting and the life that I am wanting. And really what all of that comes down to, if you're really honest with yourself, is that you're trying to look for something else to tell you what to do. You want to take the responsibility off the self and put it on some external thing that's supposed to then get you what it is that you want. That's just unfortunately not how it works. Um, I felt like I was beating my head against a brick wall for years trying to do this and taking an asinine number of extra certifications and courses. And it, that stemmed from everything to back when I was a, P, a treating PT, trying to take all these courses to like figure out how to treat X kind of patient better. And maybe that was the thing that would finally make me happy. And then once I realized, okay, maybe, maybe treating in this kind of environment, isn't the thing. Okay. Let's try a different environment. Um, and, and that wasn't the thing. And then it's okay. Like let's dive into, to me. And like, I want to find out like who I am. Okay. This coach or this mentor is going to tell me that again, like in no realm is that how it works. You can have guides that help you along and help point out blind spots. And that's something I'm going to dive into deeper into this episode for sure. Cause it's huge. We all need coaches. We all need mentors. This coach, this courses are valid. Some of the certifications, depending on what field you're in, like, I'm not saying none of those are good things. I'm just saying, don't expect them to get you to the life that you want. Like you have to do it yourself when we, and here's the thing. Here's, here's the main part of what I'm getting at with this. You don't need clarity. Not really. What you need is more self-trust. The self-trust will help you take the actions that will then foster the clarity that you are looking for. But without the self-trust, like that's really what you're looking for with all those courses is some kind of trust that like certainty, trust and certainty that like, hey, this is the path for me. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And that doesn't really come from an external source. Now, there have likely been moments in your life, I know there were plenty in mind prior to like figuring this out 
intentionally or unintentionally, where intuition and inspiration aligned perfectly enough for me to take an action that got me on the path to where I am now to some extent, right? Like it played a role, but that's not always going to be the case. And for the most part, you, you probably resonate with like, if someone's like, Hey, what do you really, really want? Like deep down, you might say, I don't know. Or you might be that multi-passionate person that rambles off like 20 different things, right? That's raising my hand over here. Um, if you've listened to some of my other episodes, there's an entire one that I did on the sunk cost fallacy. That's another like solid reasons to why people are like, I don't know. You do actually know the sunken cost fallacy is actually just keeping you from admitting that to yourself because you don't want to feel like you wasted time, energy, or money. If you haven't listened to that, you might be like, what the hell is she talking about? Definitely check it out. It's a short and sweet one. And it's really important for if, if you resonate with the like wasting time thing in order to pivot, that will be a good one for you. Um, the other reason people will say, I don't know, or like, I'm, I'm uncertain. I don't know what my path is. I need more clarity. Again, it's, it's the multi-passionate person, the sunken cost fallacy. It can be blind spots and conditioning. It can be limiting belief, a little bit of everything. There's a lot of things, but they all come down to needing more self-trust. Now, this isn't to say that there aren't any tools out there other than self-trust that will help you gain clarity, right? Like I recently did an episode where I talked about the 40 interest list and that will help guide you towards shining a light on what really lights you up, right? Because especially for the multi-passionate person, it might be really tough to kind of filter through all of the thoughts swarming in your head and figure out like, okay, what's the pattern here? Like if I had to pick like my path or my direction or where to focus my energy on something that lights me up, that 40 interest list is huge on helping you kind of dial that in. And I know for me, the first time I did it like that, there were some major aha moments of like, okay, this is what I should be doing in some capacity, but it doesn't give you full clarity, right? Like it'll kind of show you the path ish, the topic, but it's not going to give you the roadmap that, that comes from you. Uh, the journal that I have, that's another great one. There's a lot of exercises. It's literally every exercise that I did after realizing like, Hey, I don't fully recognize the person in the mirror. Like who am I and what do I want? That journal is every exercise that really helps me dig down through that in conjunction with like therapy. So those are great places to start and they aren't going to stop you from searching until you cultivate the self-trust that is under there. And that what I mean when I say self-trust is that that deep knowing, that deep trust in yourself that you will be okay no matter what decision or action you choose and that the universe has your back. And I know that that may sound a little woo-woo to someone like the, oh, the universe has your back, but like no one's out to get you, right? Like we are so often so caught up in ourselves and what's going on and, and old patterns and old conditioning and very reactive responses that it's, I, it, it can be all too easy to feel like, oh, the universe is out to get me or like, oh my gosh, why is this happening to me again? Rather than pausing, taking a step back and even attempting to figure out like a reframe or what do I need right now to feel safe and secure, like that kind of stuff. And so again, that self-trust is, is the, the deep feeling, the deep knowing that, you know what, this feels like it's aligned, like this 
I've got these options in front of me. I can do these things. This one over here feels aligned. I'm a little bit more intrigued by it right now. Whatever it is like, hey, let's try this thing and see if we can't figure it out. And if we can't figure it out, I trust myself enough to be able to pivot or get outside help or like whatever it is, right? But you need to have that trust to be able to take the leap of faith that you can take the action, make the decision and be okay. And then that action will breed clarity because there's a couple different options, right? Either it is the perfect thing and you keep going, you keep finding like the next action and the next curiosity and dive into it a little bit further and so on and so forth. Or it's like, okay, maybe this was partially it, like parts feel right, but this other part over here doesn't feel right. Okay, what do I need to tweak there? And having the trust that you can tweak and change and again, figure it out. And here's the beautiful thing. The other option is like, absolutely not. This was like, cool. I'm glad I took this leap of faith. And this is absolutely the wrong thing. Shit's falling apart. Like, absolutely not. This isn't for me. I don't feel aligned. Great. That gave you more information because now, you know, like a prerequisite to knowing what to do and what path to take is to knowing is knowing what you don't want to do or what paths you don't want to take. So regardless with action, you are breeding clarity every step of the way, but you got to trust yourself enough to take the action first because there is never a guarantee. And that's where a lot of us, myself included, get really caught up is that lack of certainty that it's going to be okay because no one can tell us. So rather than asking everyone else and just confusing the hell out of yourself, and or maybe like making the wrong decision, right? Because you're asking the opinion of someone else and they're not you. Rather than doing that, like if you can cultivate that self-trust that, you know what? Like, this sounds like a good idea. Let's do it, right? Not necessarily easy, but it is that simple. And being able like that mindset switch on the what ifs. A lot of times, and again, I, I was like the queen of this for years. I still fall into this pattern sometimes because I'm human. I'm not perfect. What ifs being negative. And it's like, what if this goes wrong? But what if this happens? But what if, but what if, but what if, but what if? But what if it all goes right? But what if it all turns out so much better than you could have imagined? But what if this thing, even like, let's say, but what if this wasn't the thing, but it leads you to the right thing? Right. So flipping those what ifs from the negative to the positive. And I will say as someone, again, I had this pattern for years. I wasn't really able to make that switch to the positive what ifs until I really had at least a solid baseline of trust in myself. And I I do think trust in the universe kind of goes hand in hand, but like, you're not going to get that one first, right? Like you got to trust yourself and then the, the trust in like the environment and the universe and Actually, that really comes down to trusting yourself enough to change your environment or change your, change the things around you in order to be the best version of yourself. Or I, I love how one of my friends, Danielle, puts it, be your favorite version. That's needed. Again, it really all circles back to self-trust and that uncertainty that you feel. Th- this kind of doubles down, right? Like I'm going to feel a little bit like a broken record, but I really want this to sink in. The opposite of uncertainty is not certainty and it's not clarity. It is enough self-trust. The opposite of uncertainty is not clarity or certainty. It is self-trust. 
Okay. So now you're like, great. That sounds awesome, Megan. How the fuck do I do that? Like, I don't even know where to begin on how to cultivate self-trust. And you're not alone for starters. The vast majority of people that I talk to, and, and we're talking like general population, right? The general population, I, I think, has been conditioned to need external validation, to need the opinions of others, to need like to trust something external from them versus looking internal. That is very conditioned in our society nowadays. And okay, so there are a couple things that come into play when we're talking about cultivating self-trust. The number one, actually, there's a lot. So I, I, like when I say number one, I don't necessarily mean like the biggest one and then you can ignore the rest, right? But you've got to have some self-awareness. And then along with that, some self-regulation tools. So self-awareness, we're talking like you got to uncover blind spots, limiting belief patterns, things like that. I love the analogy of you can't read the label from inside the bottle. That goes for everyone. Like I can't read my label from inside the bottle, right? Like I hire coaches, therapists, et cetera. So how can you start to maybe read the label a little bit better? Who do you trust to mirror back so you can build some of that self-awareness and then it can kind of snowball from there, right? Like I know that I just finished saying that you you can't have external sources create that self-trust, but you can have some external sources that help you become more aware of yourself, be a mirror for you, and then lean into that, get to know yourself more. And then that really is like, if you don't know yourself, how are you going to trust yourself? Point blank. So whether that's a therapist, a coach, one of my 180 sessions, all of the above, like lean into, because I know I'm going to get this question of like, okay, how do I know who is like the therapist, the coach, the mentor, like the, what, what, what do I, what do I do? That gets it. That gets into really hell. I could do a whole podcast episode on that. So I'm not going to go too far down this rabbit hole or this episode will be way longer than I want it to be. But one thing is really just trust who you feel drawn to, not who you feel like has the most certifications cost the most amount of money your friend went and saw and had great results. It's like, who's maybe that's how you find them. Right. But whose energy do you feel the most drawn to that would, that's most likely like our intuition is really freaking smart, better than we, better than you're probably giving it credit for. Like, I know this is, I can say the same thing for myself. Our intuition is that first voice in our head of like, Ooh, this is our person or Ooh, choose that. Not the second, not the third, like that, that gets into like ego fear. And that gets into my next point with the self-awareness is learn how to differentiate you and your voice versus conditioning, fear, IFS parts. And when I say IFS, I mean, internal family systems. If you haven't listened to the guest episode with Rachel Turner, that's a really good one. We talk into that a bit, um, without getting too far into it. It's these parts that we all have. We have controller parts, we have firefighter parts, we have protector parts, et cetera. And they are typically like a like child version of you, like their voice from some belief or pattern that they developed at a time. And then this voice developed as like a survival mechanism. And it's not necessarily helpful for you anymore, but you still have to learn how to discern what it is and a lot like help it feel safe and calm down. You can also... So again, differentiate you from conditioning, fear, IFS parts, et cetera. 
that can also be like when you hear a voice in your head saying like, oh, like, like, for example, if you see someone out in public and you hear a voice in your head judging them, is that really you or is it your conditioning? Is it your childhood friend that would make fun of people that were similar? Is it your your dad's voice? Is it your second grade teacher's voice? Like whose voice is it? Is it actually yours or is it one that you adopted from someone else? So you've got to know who, what voices and who you are versus all the other things. Again, that, that goes back into the coaching therapy, all that fun stuff. I, I do a decent amount of that in the 180 sessions, um, particularly like, especially if someone has already done therapy, so we can kind of like combine all the stuff that they've learned and uncovered in that with that, that's been a game changer to bring self-awareness and self self-regulation. The second part of this is self-regulation, which I, I'll talk a little bit more about in a second. So another way to cultivate self-trust, and this one's really important, you have got to keep promises to yourself. Far too many times, you were probably unknowingly breaking little promises to yourself, right? Like we're not talking the big ones. I mean, we are, but those are a little bit more obvious, right? So I'm not going to go into like, if you promised yourself that you're going to, gosh, I can't even think of a big one right now. If you promise yourself that you're going to go to the store to pick up X today, right? Like that seems silly, but that is a promise to yourself. That really comes down to like your to-do list. If you are the person that has a mile long to-do list and you never get it done, no wonder you don't have a lot of self-trust, right? Because that's little things that you wrote down by nature of a to-do list. We are kind of taught that like, these are the things that I'm saying that I'm going to get done today. And when you only check off a few of them, particularly if you're the person that's like, you have these things written on and then you know you're not going to get to them. So you start writing things that you already did just so you can mark something off and feel better about yourself. That's great. And you've kind of now doubled down on the fact that like, oh, I don't actually do what I say I'm going to do. I'll make shit up along the way and, and do that. That chips away at your self-trust slowly but surely. So what I, people love this and I'm being very sarcastic there. When I work with people, a lot of times I'm going to challenge you to have your to-do list no longer than five tasks for a day. And I want them to be big needle movers, right? Now, if you're someone who like you work for a boss and they, they make this mile long to-do list for you, like don't freak out and say like, that's not possible. Right. I'm talking about your list for you. And if you're an entrepreneur, I do think like you can keep all of it to those five big needle movers. Right. I just don't want you to like, listen to this and like, again, we'll go into the self-regulation, but I don't want this to like trigger a like, nervous system response because you know that you have to answer to someone else that that gets into like if, if you're that person please listen to my episode on values and how they can't conflict with your environment that'll be a good one so back to the to-do list and the no more than five that is a really great way because they're they should be big needle movers so they're going to be not necessarily like easy things right and they're going to be the things that need to get done today in order to get you to where you want to be if they could be put on tomorrow, they don't go on that list. They don't. So what you're going to do 
and I do this the night before, right? Because if you start doing it the morning of and try to create your to do list for the day, you probably are going to have 5,000 things in your head. It's harder to go through the, the brain dump exercise. So like at night, brain dump everything out of if your mind is kind of chaotic and then say like, okay, what really needs to get done tomorrow? Is it that project proposal? Does that need to be like to the client by end of day? Cool. Then that goes on your list. If you are like, okay, this is my designated content day. So I'm going to create five pieces of content. So that's checked off and I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the week. Okay, great. That can go on the list, right? Like it's, what do I want to make sure that I get done today? And it's going to be a needle mover from then on. And then the rest of your stuff, because I know there's people that are like, but, but wait, what? There, there's more that I need to do. Need is a strong word, right? The rest can go on a nice to-do list, right? Like even that content example, that doesn't necessarily need to go on that day unless you've already created some kind of promise to yourself where it's like Mondays are my content day and then Tuesdays are my admin day, right? Like something of that nature. So that's why I use that as an example. Because at some point that content needs to get done. There's not really like a hard deadline, but if, if you're listening and you're an entrepreneur, you know that like you kind of have to create your own deadlines at some point. So pick your five needle movers for the day, right? And don't forget personal, professional, like it, all the things, right? Like family, all that goes in there. Everything else that's like, okay, if it doesn't get done today, it's not the end of the world. And it's not going to like mess up my family life, my business life, like whatever, then it can go on a nice to-do list. You can name that whatever you want. Just don't name it a to-do list. I name it a nice to-do list or a nice, nice to get to list because then it doesn't create that little micro promise, like light switch in your brain. So now if you have extra time, awesome. Go take it, look at that list and see what you can pull over. See what you feel like pulling over, right? Because there's a lot to be said for having the right energy. And I think that's actually what kind of screws us over on our to-do list sometimes. Is we write all these things down and we're like, okay, my headspace is not in a great one for this, but it's in a great space for this other thing that's not on my list that I need to get done. So I'm going to write that down. That gets too convoluted and you, your brain is already, but, but I already made this little promise to myself. So I hope you can understand what I'm getting at on these little micro promises and setting yourself up for success by only having three to five things on that to-do list. Everything else go on a nice to-do list, right? Like challenge yourself for the next week to do that. It, I'm not saying it's easy. It is hard. And I get a lot of pushback from people. I struggled with this majorly when I first started doing it, but it really helps stay very intentional and focused for the day to be like, okay, here's my things. And then... I'm a big fan of like the, the phrase, eat the frog. So do the hardest one first and get it out of the way. So the rest of the day feels a lot easier, but knock those out. And then you have some wiggle room to like be able to do that nice to do list, but you also have some wiggle room that if shit hits the fan or someone has an emergency, you still can likely get to that list and not break those promises to yourself. Okay. This kind of goes a little bit with that honor commitments to yourself, right? So this is kind of hand in hand, but a little bit different. So what I'm saying there, when I say commitments to self, I mean, if you've said like, if, if you've thrown down, whether it's a new year's resolution or otherwise, like I'm going to focus on my health this week or this month or this year, whatever, 
Now you've created that promise to yourself. If you then don't prioritize time for workouts, if you don't prioritize, like if, if you're constantly like, oh, darn, I forgot my shoes. Oh, like if there's, oh, I forgot my headphones. And so, okay, well, I'm just going to go home. And then you don't work out. And then you grab fast food on the way home out of convenience. Like there's a disconnect there between what you said you were going to focus on and then your actions. When there is a disconnect, your brain takes that as breaking little promises to yourself. And as much as we might want to, you can't lie to yourself, right? So you can't, you can come up with all the excuses you want, but your brain's like, yeah, but you said you were going to do it. You said you were going to focus on it and you didn't. I have an example of this and I'm not saying you need to like force yourself. You just need to take a step back and like, really think about like, okay, is this truly something that is important to me that I'm, I want to prioritize? Okay. How can I make that happen? How can I honor this commitment to myself and better myself? Or is this something that I just need to be honest with myself that it's not enough of a priority for me right now? And it shouldn't be a promise until it is right. For me, I remember a couple of years ago being like, okay, this is the year that I'm going to be like super organized. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to be, I'm going to have everything put away all the time. My place is going to be spotless yet. Y'all, this was very unrealistic for me. Anyone who knows me, like I can blame it on my ADHD. Like I am just, it's not that I am a chaotic, messy person by any means. And my place isn't a mess. It's just not sparkling clean, spotless all the time. And stuff isn't always put away precisely. Like the number of times that I have misplaced something simply because I was like, oh, this will, this makes sense. It'll go here. And then a week later, I forget is insane. So anyways, I circling back to like, so I made the quote unquote promise to myself that I was going to become organized and I also didn't really know any of the behavioral science behind habit change at the time. So you can imagine that when I then tried to create organization in my life based on like the things, I think like Marie Kondo was big at the time, right? Like I tried to force myself to do it in the way I saw other people doing it. And I just got frustrated. I sure as hell didn't keep any of the promises I made to myself about it. And I had to step back and decide I either need to figure out a way that works for me or I need to really shine a light on, is this a priority right now? And at the time I decided it was kind of like a little bit of a combination, right? Like I was going to be organized in some areas in ways that worked for me, but I wasn't going to be so hard on myself to feel like I needed everything pristine and like super organized like there's literally nothing about my personality that says that i am going to be that level of type a ocd organized that i thought i should quote unquote should achieve right again i didn't have any of the behavioral science stuff i very much didn't even understand the idea of like stop shooting yourself at this time here's the key along with that to help with the self-trust Honor your commitments. Be honest with yourself about what your priorities are and don't shame yourself. Don't should yourself into shame. Like I could have, and honestly, I can't remember exactly, but I probably did shame myself for quote unquote failing at being organized at the time. That doesn't help anybody. Right. So again, cultivating self-trust. We got the self-awareness, 
learning how to differentiate you versus other voices in your head, keeping promises to yourself with your that to-do list, honoring commitments to yourself, and then prioritize self, right? Like we are designed, our brains are designed to want to keep us safe and secure and happy. And if you aren't prioritizing some level of self-care, if you are always giving your energy away to others, it is going to be really tough to know, love, and trust yourself, point blank. Like I, we could dive into this way more, but like, I feel like that's just a really solid blanket statement and we'll go a little bit into this. So you don't get self-trust without holding energetic boundaries. And what I mean by that is like, if you don't have boundaries around communication with clients and when you can be there for family members and when you can help people out, like all those things, right? It's, it's December. We're coming up on the holidays. I actually have a whole thing on holding boundaries with family on the insane expectations that are sometimes put on us. And then the assumptions that we put on ourselves about others' expectations around the holidays, like as a female, now I don't have like kids or, or anything like I'm not having to host, but I've watched my mom feel like around the holidays. So she's a physician. So she's expected to see patients. It's end of the year. So their insurance is running up. So it's, it's extra crazy there. She's expected to fit them in, even if her schedule is overloaded. And then on top of that, she's expected to host this family dinner and appease every single family member's wishes. Yeah. It like the list goes on and none of those are fair to her. Right. And none of them allow her any kind of self-care. So if that sounds like you at all, what, what's needed is for you to hold boundaries. Where can you set a boundary of like, Hey, I need to be able to step away. And it's not going to be quite as point blank as that. I go way into it in my, um, in that boundary for me that I, in the, in the boundary thing that I did, uh, my email list got it for free. And with that, like, for example, a boundary could be telling the, the front desk staff of, Hey, like, this is where I'm capped. Do not schedule me past that. And I will maintain like these breaks or whatever, having boundaries with the, the rest of the staff and being like, Hey, if you see me at my computer, like I need to get documentation done. Do not interrupt me unless it's an emergency and having, you can have some sort of like outward visual cue to remind people like, Hey, I'm not a sitting duck waiting to have a conversation with you. Like I need to get shit done. It can look like having a community, having a conversation with a family member up front on like, Hey, this topic that you always bring up at holidays isn't okay. It doesn't, it, it's makes me uncomfortable and I'm not okay with having it. And if you spring it up, I will actually leave the room. And I want you to know that it's not personal. I just am holding that boundary or it can look like going like messaging the family and being like, Hey, here's what we're doing for the holidays this year. I understand that it might not be exactly what you want, but this is what I have the capacity for. Please respect it. And honestly, this sounds harsh, but like, or like maybe don't just point blank say like, or you can leave, but that's kind of the idea you want to nicely get across, right? <coughs> okay. So along with that, so continuing with that, like prioritizing self and taking care of yourself in order to help build the self-trust, set me time. So when you look ahead at your calendar, whether Maybe you like to sit down on Sundays and look out at the week ahead or whatever it is. Set me time first, 
right? Like you don't necessarily need to know exactly what that time is, but block time for yourself and don't move it. For the love of all that is holy, stop moving your self-care time. Because I, I see you, I feel you, I was you. Where you were putting the me time blocks in, you were doing all the right things and then push comes to shove on day of and someone needs you or something needs to get done or your to-do list that you made too long has other things on it and you move that block and then you move it again and then you move it again and then all of a sudden you just like delete it because it's like three weeks later and you haven't done anything. Stop it. Set that me time and hold a boundary with others and with yourself to take that for you, right? Maybe it can be the five minutes that you have. It can be 30 minutes, but, but put something on there right? Start somewhere. Start with what you feel like you can manage. Maybe it's a little bit of a stretch, but start somewhere and do not move that block. This is where we get into some regulation tools, right? So prioritizing self includes regulating yourself. If, especially if you're someone who is very reactive, like if someone cuts you off in traffic and you're like, oh my gosh, how dare they? For starters, I can promise you that person, like maybe they did, but they might not have even noticed you there, right? Like they might be thinking about the divorce they're going through or their friend who's in the hospital or like you, there's no way to know, right? So rather than being super reactive, having regulation, well, or at least having regulation tools if and when you become reactive or you get triggered or there's any kind of nervous system response, right? I have a lot of episodes. I talk about various regulation tools periodically. I know I've talked about shaking. I know I've talked about psychological sigh. Um, so I'll give you one that I don't think I've talked about on the podcast before. And I actually, I think I have talked about butterfly tapping. I think Rachel and I talked about that. So I'll give you another one where if you just need to take a second to get back into your body, obviously we've all, we all know walking outside, but the other thing that you can add to it, whether you're outside or inside is if you're standing up, doing a heel raise and then slamming your heels back down on the ground, that kind of jolt will help get you back in your body. Do it repeatedly, right? Until you start to feel yourself come back in. I've done this before standing outside along, like, along with a walk. It helps really well. Um, there, there's so many, right? So I, I don't want to take too much time on this episode to dive into this because I want to keep with the, the self-trust in order to gain clarity topic. Because again, I could go off for hours on regulation tools. In fact, I did the other night at a talk that I was on a panel for. Another one with, and this actually goes a little bit more directly into self-trust. I, I kind of thought of it when it was in my head for this episode, thinking of it as far as prioritizing self, but it really goes right into self-trust is taking time for journaling or something to reflect on your path, the things that you've done and taking the lessons and leaving the rest. So if you can take some time to reflect and maybe even reframe some things that didn't go well, that didn't go as you hoped and taking the lessons from that, that internally helps cultivate some of that self-trust because you can then, the, the more that you can see lessons, like I don't really think there are failures. There's just lessons. And the more that you can see that, the more you can trust yourself to not have a failure because you, you don't have failures. You just have lessons. 
So all of this, cultivating the self-trust, again, I'm just going to kind of run through it. We've got the self-awareness, learning how to differentiate you from other voices, keeping promises to yourself with things like the to-do list, honoring commitments to self, and then prioritizing yourself with boundaries, regulation tools, setting that me time and stop moving it, and then reflecting, reflection practices. All of this kind of stuff, like this is just a surface level, like skim, like uh, tip of the iceberg. Sorry, that's what I was going for. Words are hard. Um, all of that increases self-trust. And the more that we can increase self-trust, the more you have this sense of like, gosh, like the thing that's coming to mind right now, it's the ultimate like fuck around and find out kind of like, all right, like I trust myself to just figure it out and be able to move on and be okay and, and find my way from here. And the more that you can do that. And the more that you can have that trust of like, all right, like I, I can then use that to figure out what it is that I want to do. All of those actions are going to breed more and more clarity. So that clarity that you've been craving that, that like, Oh, that lack of uncertainty that you've been wanting self-trust is the key. And so we say this a lot in the physical therapy field, or at least the, the realms of PT that I was in and, and am in at this doctoral program, even right now, like hell, we said this in class today, that beliefs and expectations drive outcomes. I saw that constantly with patients. I sure as hell see it with clients. I see it in human interactions, like our beliefs and our expectations drive our outcomes. So if you believe things are going to go badly, if you expect things to go badly, they're probably going to go badly. If you believe and expect that you can figure it out. And again, belief, like that is a trust. You have to have enough belief and trust that you're going to figure shit out and find the success that you want. The more trust that you have in that, the more that you can foster that belief, the more it is going to happen, the more you're going to be able to create that quote unquote clarity that you are looking for. So again, it is not clarity. I know that that's what you want. I know you want that certainty, but you got to find the self-trust and the rest will fall into place. All right. Please, please, please. If this hit at all, let me know. Hit me up on Instagram. Better yet, share a screenshot. Give me your biggest aha moment or takeaway on there. I love seeing this online. It really, like, it, it, I, I don't even have words for how much it lights me up to, to see this and have that you share that with me. So please do tag me at move on the daily D A L E Y spelled like my last name. You can tag the podcast account and admittedly I'm not as active on there, but human on the daily dot podcast and yeah, enjoy. Have a great rest of your week.